ability to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And today is potentially a really big day uh, because Devin Archer is going to be, he's scheduled to be in the House Oversight Committee behind closed doors, private session, not open to the public, at 10 a.m. Now, he's surrounded by bodyguards and and the DOJ over the weekend, uh, which is very unusual over the weekend, basically sent some guidance and some recommendations for his arrest. And we're going to hear Comer, James Comer, the oversight chairman, talk about that with Maria Bartiroma, uh, because that's also very unusual, very interesting. The other part of Comer's uh, interview with Maria Bartiroma was that these uh, suspicious financial reports, uh, there's apparently 170 of these reports. And typically, um, and, and you know, that number by itself to you and me it doesn't mean much. What does 170 mean? You know, and so they put in really good perspective that in Kentucky, you might have a bank with all of its accounts file a suspicious financial report, a financial transaction once in a whole year. And that's when it really, you know, because everything is relative. You know, a hundred and, you know, 10 points in a soccer game and 10 points in a football game, you know, is it means different things. So it's it's really kind of a you know well I guess they call soccer football a bad example um but in any case uh it puts it in perspective the other big news today that we're going to talk a little bit about and share some content with uh you is uh the Belt and Road Initiative so this is this Chinese Belt and Road Initiative and uh, the issue here is <clears throat> that 
Italy is pulling out. Italy basically, uh, and, you know, um, Maria Bartiromo had an interview with uh, Maloney, Georgia Maloney. But she pulled, she's pulled out now, and that's a big deal of the Belt and Road Initiative. Now, the BBC, the globalist organization that they are, is, you know, pro-globalism, that outfit. And they sort of trashed Italy, saying Italy's, you know, deadbeat. Uh, they have the third largest debt. And um, and that they're dragging the EU down. And, and, uh, and but then George, George Maloney was saying, you know, all we're export, we're exporting oranges to China. But China is shipping three times the amount to Italy that they're shipping, you know, so the import export. It's a great deal for China and not such a great deal for Italy who's struggling. So, you know, if you are a Italy and you're struggling financially, then maybe it's time to make a change. And these globalist deals, they're not working for a lot of countries. They're helping China. You know, the Paris Agreement is all about slave labor. It basically says you cannot manufacture in the West because we got to be green. We got to get the net zero, you know, all that. And so, you know, of course, that's a ruse. That's a, just a lie. The climate is a scam. It's, it's a scam to control and regulate through taxation by using the ESG, the Environmental Social Governance Arrangement, that is part of, you know, just like part of the vaccine tracking was really a predecessor to a social credit score system. And now everybody's pushing this digital currency to the point where if you pull coinage or cash out of your pocket and try to pay for something, they'll get you for shoplifting. You, you're like, your money's not green. So it's, it's we're living in this world where, you know, and, you know, the thing about it is, too, is digital is kind of comfortable. Digital is safe. You know, you it, it results in less robberies. I mean, there's a lot of good things about digital. But it's the way they're going about it. It's They're not even asking your permission. They're just doing it. They're not even uh, taking it for a vote. The corporations that are running this world, the cor- global corporate partners owned by the Black Rocks and State Streets and Vanguards of the world, are dictating policies and financing politicians and penetrating cabinets and taking over governments. And that's exactly what they're doing. And then behind closed doors, they're passing these Paris agreements that are all so convenient. They're going to use the slaves in the Uyghur camps in in China, and they're going to rape and pillage the earth for all of its precious minerals in Africa. And these tribal warlords and these um, countries that were former colonial uh, properties, they, um, they're being given uh, worthless currency like colonial francs or something like that in exchange for uh, mining rights in, uh, in various regions for gold, nickel. 
COBOL, and a whole host of other things. George Maloney said, Africa is a very rich nation. There's a lot of interest in Africa. And China seems to be the main benefactor because they are playing hardball when we got a guy like Joe Biden sitting there at the beach while (laughs) Donald Trump is filling up arenas in Erie, PA over the weekend. And the left and the liberals and the Lincoln Project, which are Republicans in name only, uh, were basically trying to send out these videos suggesting that Trump didn't fill the arena. Well, he did fill the arena. It's just the seats were empty behind the cameras because there was no visibility there. But he sold the arena out in Airy, BA. And people love it when Trump comes to town. But uh, Alex Jones said, you know, they're going to take Trump out one way or the other. And just like they're taking him out. And so we have a couple of audio clips. We have a bunch of stuff that we want to get to today. We are going to start off with the Belt and Road Initiative because that's a big story. We're going to uh, end the show probably talking about Devin Archer uh, and also Ukraine because we want to talk a little bit about the Minsk Agreement. And uh, so that's what we want to do is talk about that as well. And um, all right, so we're going to get started with this and... Uh, first off, though, I want to read this Charlie Kirk thing. Uh, it says, why is Hunter Biden's best friend, Devin Archer, in hiding before testifying in front of Congress? Maybe it's the MAGA Republicans, the domestic violent uh, extremists, white supremacists, the J6 grandmas, Catholics, violent pro-lifers, moms for liberty, Trump's maintenance man, the peaceful libs would never threaten anyone, would they? So basically, why is Devin Archer in hiding? Why is he surrounded by security? Why? If the Democrats were so peaceful, why? Certainly it's not the J6 grandmas or the MAGA Republicans. We're not the ones creating all the violence. Yet the mainstream media wants to talk about you know, J6 protesters as these terrorist insurrectionists that should spend the rest of their life in jail. When, in fact, the only person that was murdered that day was Ashley Babbitt, and one other woman was trampled. And, uh, you know, so it, and there were no guns. There were no weapons at that rally. The only people that were showing up with helmets and masks and, and armor were the Antifa infiltrators and the FBI and the CIA and the uh, government infiltrators, the Nancy Pelosi Gestapo. So that's interesting, though. You know, the, the, why, why all the security? Because the left is violent. One other little tidbit story, little news story that we're going to share is, it says, Justin, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker has signed a law that will allow illegal immigrants to become police, he owns the Hyatt, by the way. So if you want to boycott Hyatt, go be my guest. Don't be the guest of Hyatt. So Pritzker has signed a law that will allow illegal immigrants to become police officers and sheriffs deputies. In Illinois, American citizens will be arrested by illegals. 
Once this takes effect, people who are actively breaking federal law will be arresting Americans if they break the law. This madness from the Democrat Party is absolutely out of control. Is anyone actually okay with this? That's absolutely, it's Bill 3751 says that people who aren't U.S. citizens but have legal permission to work in the country or are protected under DACA can apply to become police officers or deputies. It doesn't say that illegal immigrants can become police officers or deputies. But we know that there's loopholes in there that, uh, that lend itself to that. All right, so the Belt and Road Initiative. Georgia, Georgia Maloney uh, from the Italy prime minister pulled out. Italy confirms it will leave China's Belt and Road Initiative. Joining the Silk Road was an improv- improvised and wicked act made by Giuseppe Conti, a globalist, which led to a double negative result. We exported a load of oranges to China they tripled exports to Italy in three years. So that's not a good deal for Italy. Uh, Italy just slammed China's trillion-dollar Belt and Road Initiative, saying it was an atrocious decision to join and that is barely, and that it's barely benefited from the deal. Italy is having second thoughts about joining China's Belt and Road Initiative. Its defense minister just slammed the deal for being improvised and atrocious. Italy was the largest economy to sign the pact in 2019 and is currently weighing how to exit without damaging relations. So this is uh, Guido Crosetto, Italy's defense minister, just slammed his country's decision to join China's Belt and Road Initiative, or BRI, describing it as improvised and atrocious. Now, I guess that was a dated... I mean, this is a new article came out today, but that that uh, comment was from an earlier time. All right, so we are going to go ahead and take a listen to some audio. Italy quits China's Belt and, and, and Silk Road initiative. We exported a load of oranges to China. They tripled exports to Italy in three years. So that's uh, really the main headline that they're going with. Let's take a listen to this uh, audio clip here. And uh, the CCP's Belt and Road Initiative trapped 39 African countries into an unsustainable debt crisis and gradually realized the multidimensional colonialization colonization of economy, culture, and natural and nature, natural resources in these countries. So this also has a major impact on um, an unfair advantage that China uh, uh, gains in Africa, which is where all the resources are these days and where everybody wants to be mining for the inevitable electric vehicle generation and uh, this climate initiative, which, again, is a scam built on slave labor, but let's take a listen. But uh, this is Africa, because a lot of the characteristics you see here, you will apply to everywhere else. So through investing the mega project, for example, building roads, building your infrastructure, like a telecommunication, airports, ports, 
you know, the Chinese Communist Party lending you the money coming from China Development Bank, 1.3 trillion US dollars lending opportunity. A lot of the poor country thinking, oh, that is great because we need to develop up the economy. We need to take up that opportunity that CCP is offering. Let's 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 take it. So they laid the trap for you. Okay, so this is their colonization plan um, with the Chinese characteristics. So I highlighted this uh, paper already. You can scan the barcode and read it for yourself, but I think it's it's worth mentioning here. It says the small economic in Africa, Southeast Asia, Latin America, which you have to pay attention to the Latin America, the CCP has already basically controlled and taken over many of those critical infrastructures, including ports, even sensitive to military and strategic choke points around the United States continental, where Chinese, China is, is relentless expending its power. And the Xi Jinping has tirelessly stressed how the Belt and Road seeks to create a co the community of common destiny, okay, which is a community of modern slavery, has uh, BRR, which is short for the Belt and Road Initiative, has already turned into a Chinese neo-colonialist project. That's absolutely accurate description, and it's worth actually. The China has pushed to exploit foreign raw materials, especially minerals, fossil fuels, agricultural commodity for its own benefit. And they always done it with human rights violations and with massacres and possibly genocide in that region. It is no coincidence that China's presence 39 countries in Africa already, 39 countries in Africa has already been penetrated and taken through the Belt and Road Initiative, has emerged as the continent Africa's biggest trade partner. Okay, And then here, this is actually really important material of mining. It's called bauxite. And bauxite is for aluminum. Okay, So a majority of the bauxite exported from Africa right now is actually Chinese, is a Chinese Communist Party controlled. So why China's tens of billions of investment loans agreedly grovel up by the cash-staff African states? They're not as uh, bereft of streams as it often claims. In fact, the BRR is tramping numerous countries in sustainable level of debt, unsustainable level of debt. And you will see that in Laos' case as well. So, see, it's a strat—it's a wicked strat strategy um, that people, short-sighted globalists, are are looking at the short-term financial gain, but they're selling their soul, and they're giving up their future in these some of these deals, and you know, it like like uh, the predecessor to Georgia Maloney. Conti in Italy bought into it. It was a bad deal. Just like when Trump pulled out of the Paris Agreement. It was a benefit to China but and India, but not a benefit to America. So Trump pulled out. It's a, it's a bad deal. And of course, Paris Agreement or you know, when he pulled out of TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Again, these things don't work if America is not involved because it's all about taking... Well, it's all about a player with the money and it's taking the money out of your pocket and putting it into theirs. There's no money elsewhere. There's no money anywhere else. So you're not going to do business with some guy that has no money. If you want to get rich, you're not going to do business with a poor person that doesn't have any money. Everything's built on credit. No, you're going to want to do business with the people that have the money because you want that money to go into your pocket. And what you're going to do is you're going to, in turn, provide slave labor because that's the only thing that China has. China has slaves. That's their population. It's a bunch of slaves that have to do everything they're told by the CCP. And people like... Uh, 
Klaus Schwab and Justin Trudeau have recently spoken up and said their systems are very highly efficient and the global scheme should uh, adopt many of their principles and mimic what they're doing, which is outright, uh, you know, communism and total tyranny and control. It's carrots and sticks, but mostly sticks. So, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing there. All right. So, um, we're going to move away from the Belt and Road. I had a couple of other things I was going to, like here, it says, Italy joining China's Belt and Road Initiative was atrocious move, defense minister says. But it also goes on to say, talk about how poor uh, Italy was, uh, now here, uh, one other thing about the Belt and Road. This was uh, from two. This was a while back. This was uh, Bannon in G Belt and Road speech at Davos in 2017. Steve Bannon. G gives a speech and he essentially talks about what is a new world order. See, China's in bed with the new world order as well. That's why you're having. That's why you're seeing BRICS. And G7, we've talked about this a uh, hundred times in the past, that BRICS is really going to be the manufacturers uh, because they have the slaves, India, you know, China. That's three billion people right there that are going to be slaves. And no one really cares about that. Greta Thunberg doesn't care about the smokestacks or the slaves. She just cares about the banks. Um, and it's the G7 nations, the overeducated Spoiled, rotten nations that uh, are too good to get their hands dirty. So they don't want to work in agriculture. They don't want to work in manufacturing anyway. And they're certainly not going to do it for less than 20 an hour. China and India, the, those those slaves will work for $20 a day. So, you know, if you're a globalist corporation owned by BlackRock and you want to profit, you're going to go with that new world order. That slave, oh, you know, you're going to get those slaves. And that's what the open borders are all about, too, because you also need slaves domestically. Can't just have China with all the benefits of the slaves. You got to import your slaves as well, because somebody's got to work that dishwasher, change those linens in that hotel, uh, and uh, work in the basement of that restaurant and mop the floors and wash the dishes and stuff. Someone's going to have to work that meatpacking plant. Someone's going to have to work those fields. Um, the fields we have left. So, yeah, ab- absolutely. The open borders are all about importing slaves and sex sex trafficking and drugs and weapons and you name it. But there's cartels that are interested in keeping the borders open. There's sex traffickers that are interested in keeping the borders open. And there's corporations that want those slaves to come through the border to work for them for next to nothing. Somebody's got to drive that Uber or Lyft all day long. And it's this kind of thing that's perpetuating this. It's all about motive, and the motive and the incentive is money. And that's never changed. I mean, that that goes back to the beginning of time. And that principle, those principles never change. Uh, So Bannon, here he is talking about the Belt and Road Initiative and then how 
Trump opened up a can of whoop on G. Two speeches, two speeches. One in Davos and one in Washington, D.C. In Davos, Xi, President Xi makes a big deal. He comes in the Financial Times of London and the Economist, all these guys are bowing down. He gives a speech and he essentially talks about what is a new world order. That order is not a series of countries, but a series of networks and markets and systems led by the Chinese that would be the manufacturing superpower with, you know, networks, one belt, one road, all of it, right? Built, built, they would organize the Eurasian landmass, including Europe. And this was a system, you're going to have markets and raw materials and China will be the middle kingdom and make it. And man, they're clapping and applauding and high-fiving. This is something else. Two days later, Trump gives American carnage, right? The only problem with that speech, I had a small hand in writing it. Just, no, 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 just President Trump wrote it. Miller and I helped a little bit. Stephen was the podium was facing out to the crowd. He should have turned around and done it to the elites up on the frickin' stage, right? Yeah, it's true. So can't wait to get Trump back into the Oval Office and straighten out this ship and right these wrongs and, uh, and really uh, fundamentally transform uh, the Department of Education, the Department of Energy, the department, uh, the FBI, the CIA, the State Department, and the Department of Justice. None of this is right. All of it's wrong. All right, so House panel, dem- panel demands docs from Hunter Biden, art buyer Elizabeth Neftali. They're cracking down. So the House Oversight Committee is demanding documents from a high-powered Democrat donor who purchased artwork for Hunter Bi- from Hunter Biden, or who purchased artwork by Hunter Biden. Elizabeth Hirsch Naftali, a Los Angeles-based real estate investor and philanthropist, was named as one of the buyers by Business Insider earlier this week. That was last week. Naftali raised further eyebrows after news emerged she visited the white house at least a dozen times so that's joe biden getting involved with people giving the biden family money in very very laundered and private ways president biden additional additionally appointed neftali to his commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad in July 2022, roughly eight months after Hunter's first art show in Hollywood. These facts raised the committee's concern and the uh, committee seeks documents and information regarding the purchase. The purchases. And, you know... Actually, when I look at the uh, Hunter Biden art, it's actually not bad, but you wonder if he's the one actually doing the art. That, that's that's my first question. Is is he actually painting? Like, I've never seen a picture of him with a brush in his hand. You know what I mean? So it's kind of interesting, um, to say the least. So that would be the, the, the question I would have is... 
you know, if he's doing that art. Um, but there's so many other things. Breaking DOJ. Uh, this is uh, Mario Nalfal. Breaking DOJ attempts to jail Biden witness one day before testimony. The DOJ is trying to arrest Devin Archer ahead of his bombshell testimony tomorrow, today, at 10 o'clock, about Joe Biden's involvement in his son Hunter Biden's Ukraine business when he was VP. U.S. Attorney in the Southern District of New York, Damian Williams, issued a letter yesterday telling Judge Abrams to order Archer to go to jail immediately to serve a one-year sentence for his fraud conviction. Cromer asks, why now? No, that's uh, not Cromer, it's Comer. The letter from the Department of Justice is trying to nudge the judge to go ahead and sentence Devin Archer for something unrelated to what we're going going to talk about uh, tomorrow or today, depending on when this was written, right? So we're going to go ahead and listen to that exchange because it's quite good. Matt Gates got involved over the weekend, I think just on Sunday, and said, breaking two members of the House, and it's actually now four members, Judiciary Committee are now calling for lawmakers to return to Washington for immediate emergency hearings on the DOJ's interference with the congressional oversight. Mike Johnson is an elected member of House leadership and one of the brightest attorneys in the House. This is all because Hunter's problems and Joe's problems merge with the testimony of Devin Archer. Time for action right now. So a lot of these congressmen like Chip Roy and Harriet Hagman and, you know, all all of them stepped up and said, I'm there. Count me in, boss. And they are calling an emergency session to look into what the DOJ is actually doing. All right, so we're going to go ahead and take a listen to uh, this exchange. This this was packed full of good stuff, uh, this exchange with uh, Maria Bartiroma. This is a fairly long clip, but we're going to uh, take it in. In this Sunday Morning Futures exclusive is the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, Congressman James Comer. Mr. Chairman, good to see you. Thanks very much for being here this morning. Good morning. I want to ask you about your investigation, but first, let me get to this breaking news. I have in my hand a letter from the Department of Justice that was sent to the Southern District of New York on Saturday. Uh, By the way, Devin Archer is testifying on Monday. Do you ever see, do you usually see the DOJ send letters like this out on a Saturday? Never, never. This is the first time I've ever heard of the Department of Justice doing anything on a Saturday. So what is this letter? Can you walk us through it? Uh, the government is uh, apprising the court of the status of Devin Archer's appeal of his judgment of conviction, and they request that the court set a surrender date for the defendant to report to a facility. Uh, please walk us through what this right. letter says. Yeah, the letter from the Department of Justice is uh, trying to nudge the judge to go ahead and uh, sentence Devin Archer. Uh, for uh, something unrelated to what we're going to be talking to him about tomorrow. Uh, it's odd that it was issued on a Saturday, and it's odd that it's right before he's scheduled to come in to uh, have an opportunity to speak in front of the House Oversight Committee and tell the American people the truth about what really went on 
with Barisma. So, you know, I don't know if this is a coincidence, Maria, or if this is another example of the weaponization of the Department of Justice, but I can tell you this. The lengths to which the Biden legal team has gone to try to intimidate our witnesses, to coordinate with the Department of Justice, and to certainly coordinate with the Democrats on the House Oversight Committee to encourage people not to cooperate with our investigation, to encourage banks not to turn over bank records, to encourage Treasury not to let us have access to those suspicious activity reports. It's very troubling, and I believe that uh, you know this is a- another violation of the law. This is obstruction of justice. But nevertheless, we're going to continue to move forward and try to present the American people with the facts and the truth about uh, this president and his family. Tell me how many suspicious activity reports you have seen. How much money do you expect that the Biden family has taken in? Update us on your investigation into this influence peddling. Yeah, well, I mean, there's 170 suspicious activity reports, but then there's uh, another uh, several dozen suspicious activity reports that were filed on other people, but Biden family members were the subject of those, meaning they were involved in some type of transaction, involved with a a major wire that had been flagged by a bank. That's what happens when you are engaged in money laundering, Maria. So we're trying to have access to Treasury. We want to go back. We've learned new information since we went in there the first time. We requested a a limited number of suspicious activity reports. Those were all involving the Biden family. Now we've learned of some other deals uh, and other transactions with other entities and other people that we believe the Bidens may be subject subject to those transact to those suspicious activity reports as well. So we're trying to get back in Treasury now as our investigation continues to grow. Uh, but I, I will tell you, it's unprecedented. As someone who has been involved in banking, there's never been an instance that I've ever heard of or in talking to bankers around America where a family has been involved in so many suspicious activity reports. This is where the bank files notice with the Treasury Department that, that they fear their client is engaged in some type of criminal activity. This is very serious, and uh, the, the extent to which this family was involved in suspicious activities is breathtaking. Well, how often does one get a suspicious activity report? How many people, I mean, how many suspicious activity reports would your average person get? I would say the average person gets zero. Uh, These just don't happen very often. Now, the Democrats would try to uh, spin a narrative that, oh, it's not uncommon. Everybody gets a suspicious activity report. It's like an overdraft fee or something. That is simply not true. I spoke to the Kentucky Bankers Association in Washington two weeks ago, and I was telling them about all these suspicious activity reports, and and they were... they couldn't believe it. I mean, the, the, a lot of banks, in, in Kentucky anyway, may not issue more than one or two suspicious activity reports a year. And you think about how many clients and how many transactions are involved with these banks. So uh, it's very uncommon for an American to get a suspicious activity report. Most people who get suspicious activity reports are people who are, who are foreigners, who are doing business in America, uh, people who are sending money to foreign countries that uh, may or may not be legal citizens in the United States, and people involved in criminal activity, money laundering and things like that. What are you expecting to get from Devin Archer tomorrow? Let's talk about that on-the-record testimony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't want to put words in Devin Archer's mouth, but I'll, I'll say this. He has an opportunity to come tomorrow to the House Oversight Committee and tell the truth. 
He has an opportunity to be a hero like the two whistleblowers were, like the judge in Delaware was who rejected the sweetheart plea deal from the Department of Justice to Hunter Biden. Devin Archer could be in that category of, of Americans that, that just come and tell the truth. That's all we want. We know that Devin Archer was on the board of Burisma with Hunter Biden. We know that Devin Archer has met and communicated many, many times with Joe Biden about uh, Burisma and other things. So this is going to be an opportunity for, for Devin Archer just to, to tell the truth. We have other uh, bank statements that we've obtained that we have questions about pertaining to uh, countries that we believe Archer may have knowledge of. So, uh, you know, hat, my hat's off to Devin Archer if, when he shows up tomorrow. I know it's tough. I know he's been intimidated by the Biden legal team, but hopefully he saw what happened in that courtroom in Delaware last week. And there are good people in the justice system. And we saw that judge stand up and reject the obvious sweetheart plea deal that uh, the Department of Justice gave the president's son. I know that the the president's legal team has been uh, telling our witnesses that uh, they don't need to cooperate with the committee, that nothing's going to happen to the Bidens. I don't think that's true. And I think we saw that play out in the courtroom next week. So we're excited about Devin Archer and I appreciate his willingness to come. Do you have the details in terms of follow-ups? I mean, for example, hypothetically speaking, uh, would you follow up with something around the lines of when you all were sitting at that bar in Dubai, what was the conversation happening uh, before Hunter Biden decided to, to call up his father and have a conversation with him on the phone when you all were at the bar in Dubai? Yeah, there are so many instances, as you know, Maria, uh, from the laptop and from messages and emails where there were scenarios like that, where the president's son called his father in front of his business associates. It wasn't just with the Devin Archer, it was others. And we're trying to bring all these people in and let them tell us the truth. You know, what level of involvement, what level of knowledge did Joe Biden have of his, of his family's business schemes? Because he said from day one he had no knowledge of anything his, his family was doing until last week when it became public that Devin Archer was coming to do this transcribed interview. Then Jean-Pierre changed the story and said, well, the president was never in business with his son. Maria, they never had a legitimate business. So, you know, to say he was never in business with his son, that might be true because there never was a legitimate business. But we want to know what the president knew and we want to know what level of involvement he had in these business schemes. Based on what you have seen so far, Mr. Chairman, do you believe Joe Biden has been involved in bribery, racketeering and money laundering? I believe that Joe Biden knows about all those things. Now, what level of involvement he had as a participant, uh, we're investigating to find out. But there's no doubt in my mind that he knew about those things. And remember, he has consistently told the American people he had no knowledge of anything his family was doing with respect to foreign business tra transactions. And we're about to find out throughout the whole month of August whether or not that statement was true. Before you go real quick, tomorrow's testimony could be a history-altering event. If all of this is true, are you expecting to impeach Joe Biden? Well, that's a question you'll have to ask Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan. They're, they're the two that will lead a potential impeachment. Uh, I know how I would vote on it, Maria, but uh, I'm not the one that makes that decision. I lead the investigation. My job is to get the facts 
to get evidence, and that's what I'm doing, and I think we've been doing a, a pretty good job by congressional standards thus far, and hopefully this week will be a big week for us as we move forward with our investigation. You have uncovered so much, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. We- yeah, that's uh, that was a great interview. I saw that yesterday and had to share it with you. Um, one of the things I think is kind of important is I I would like to think that and this is my own theory. This is uh, just uh, me spitballing here. But this Devin Archer thing, you know, what 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 compels him to actually step up? I mean, I'm sure he's getting threats in all kinds of ways. But at some point, you know, I would imagine that Comer, they already have the audio tapes. There's supposedly 17 recordings from the Burisma CEO who had 17 recordings where uh, he was talking with Hunter and Hunter basically put that on the phone. Um, But... uh, or that Joe Biden was somehow involved in the conversation. So they already have enough to pile on new charges against Devin Archer. And, you know, he's going to be taking it. You know, I don't think he's going to go down for the likes of a crackhead, crackhead like Hunter, an arrogant son of a gun like Hunter, right? So Devin Archer is probably saying, you know, I'm not going to be the patsy here. I'm going to be the scapegoat. I'm going to be the guy that takes it on the chin and I don't know if he wants to do that now there's a chance he might not show there's another chance that when he walks into the room the DOJ nabs him and says you're under arrest that would be dramatic and lock him up Um, and then you know they also have to be saying to him that we think uh we already have the information. You know, there, with every transaction, there's an A side and a B side. There's a sender and there's a receiver. So there's A and B. Now, Devin Marcher, let's just say he's A. And the Burisma CEO is B. You know, when you send an email, the email is in your sent box. It's also in somebody else's inbox. And so... They could say, well, you know, it's going to be more difficult for us and it maybe doesn't help our case as much. But we want, it's not just enough to have an inbox. We have to, we want to have a send box too. We want that inbox to be corroborated by the send box. You know, if I send you an email, it's not enough for you to just make up the fact that, oh, you could have made that up. But if I have a sent box and it's corroborated, now there's a send and there's a receive receive, and the two corroborate each other. It makes for the for better evidence. So they probably already have what they need for going against Devin Archer. The question is, um, will Devin Archer participate knowing that they have that? And say, if you cooperate, we'll send a uh, recommendation for leniency. And if, But if you don't cooperate, we're still going to get you, but we're going to throw the book at you. So I think that that might be the game that's being played today.
Anyway, this is an interesting little comment um, by uh, Alex Jones. Let's take a listen to this. It's in a lot of trouble. Trump is, yeah. Is what he's because saying. they got this thing rigged. And, and yeah, it makes him more popular the more they indict him. But I, I, I think they're going to kill him. And I think you think that too, right? Sure. I mean, they've already gone this far. You, you can just feel the fact that the New World Order is not backing down. And, and, and let me tell you, when they're done going through Trump and myself and a few other people, you know who they're coming for. They're coming for you. You're the target. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're trying to tell you. <laughs> that's, that's what we're trying to tell our liberal friends. This MAGA patriot uh, writes this. I personally don't believe Joe Biden will be the Democrat nominee in 2024, not because Kennedy will take him out. I believe the powers that be will remove him, not for this his criminal actions themselves, but for the embarrassment to their party. Sooner or later, Democrats will have to admit Joe is in big trouble. World leaders are laughing at us. The man can't even control his own dog. But no matter who the Democrat nominee is, the DOJ and FBI are running the campaign. Whoever the boss is, that person or group of people, they are out to remove Trump, whatever means are necessary. They are going after anyone else because... They aren't going after anyone else because they believe anyone other than Trump would lose to their candidate. Democrats want control of our lives. They want control of our guns, what they, what we eat and how we eat, heat, heat and cool our homes, how much water we use, how far we can drive from our homes, and what we drive in. They know we, the people, at this, some point, will fight back. That's what that's why they must have open borders to let people in they know they can control. Democrats want to tax us into oblivion. They are creating a generation of people who will be unable to reproduce. The push abor- they push abortion as though it will save the planet. They want to force vaccines on the younger generation so they won't be that won't won't make it to be part of the older generation. They want farmers to quit growing food. They want to kill not only our farm animals and meat production, they also want to rid us of our pets. They want the New World Order. They want the New World Economic Forum. They want the depopulation. That was by MAGA Patriot. It was pretty good. I thought that was excellent. Um, here, let's uh, take a listen to this. This is about the Minsk Agreement. Blinken says that there is no evidence that Russia is interested in peace talks. So Russia literally for seven years begged Ukraine and America to negotiate and sign the Minsk Agreement. It did the same in March 2022 when the West uh, uh, ordered that deal to be canceled. And Boris Johnson went over there and canceled it. They want this war with Russia. If we saw any evidence that Russia was interested in having meaningful peace talks, we would be the first to jump on it. Well, maybe the second, because I suspect the Ukrainians would be first. No one wants this war over more quickly than the Ukrainians. They're on the receiving end of Russia's aggression every day. Unfortunately, I see zero evidence that Russia's interested. And the fundamental problem is this. President Putin believes, continues to believe, that he can outlast Ukraine, and that he can outlast all of Ukraine's supporters. 
It's written here, Zelensky decree rules out Ukraine talks with Putin as impossible. So, you know, it's it's it, this whole war, I said from the very beginning, could have been avoided. Let's take a listen to, um, well, there's a really quick clip here, 17 seconds. I want to get this in before we run out of time. Then I'm going to play a Robert Kennedy clip. All right, let's take a listen to this. So, so let me get this straight. Cocaine was found at Biden's house. A dead body was found at the Obama's house. A male prostitute was found at Pelosi's house. Illegal servers were found at Hillary's house. But the FBI, they raided Trump. Yeah, makes sense. So, so let me get <laughs> Right? Yeah. Uh, very, very good clip there. Um, all right, so I have something else uh, that I want to... Uh, share with you. Let's take a listen to the Minsk Agreement and Robert Kennedy Jr.'s take on the Ukraine war. In 2019, France, Germany, and Russia all agreed to the Minsk Accords. That year, Zelensky ran for president. He was a comedian. He had no political experience. Why did he win? Because he, he won, ran on one issue, signing the Minsk Accords. As soon as he got in there, Victoria Newland and the White House told him he couldn't do it. Then Putin sends 40,000 troops in. That's not enough to conquer the country. Clearly, he wanted us to come to the negotiation. He wanted somebody to come to the negotiating table. Zelensky came to the negotiating table, signed a new agreement that was the Minsk Accords II in 2022, and that would have allowed Donbass to stay, and Lugansk, to stay to remain as part of, of Ukraine. We said Putin signed it, Zelensky initialed it, and Putin, in good faith, began withdrawing troops from the Ukraine. What happened? We sent Boris Johnson over there to torpedo it. Because we don't want peace. with. We want the war with Russia. What a, what, whatever, why are you blaming America's role in this? And, and uh, Look, I, I am... Putin to me is an evil, murdering dictator yeah. thug. And when he leaves this earth, nobody's going to miss him. Here. Let's be honest. Um, however, I think that Europe has a responsibility to protect their continent, and yet it always seems to fall on the United States. Joe Biden has committed all these t- billions of dollars that we can't afford. Need to invade in, in a sovereign country, in my view. Is Zelensky perfect? Nope. I don't think he is either. I agree with you on that part. But uh, I think most of the European countries wanted the war either. In my view. Yeah, I mean... We had I, I, I don't think most of the European countries wanted the war either. They, we, it's clear what happened, which is that, you know, from the beginning, we promised in 1992. The Russian leadership said, we will move. This was, was Gorbachev said when, when the Soviet Union, he was getting ready to dismantle the Soviet Union. And he said, we're going to allow you, we're going to withdraw 400,000 troops from, from East Germany. And we're going to allow you to reunite Germany under NATO, which is a hostile army. That's a huge concession for them. The one commitment that we want, is what the Russians said, is that you will not move NATO to the east. James Baker, who was then Secretary of State under Bush, famously promised we will not move NATO one inch to the east. Well, since then, we've moved it 1,000 miles in 14 countries. Now, when we started that plan in 1997, Bill Perry, who was the Secretary of Defense under Clinton, said to the Clinton administration, if you move NATO to the east, I'm resigning because you are forcing the Russians to come to war with us. 
George Kennan was the most important diplomat in American history, the architect of the containment policy during World War II, said the same thing. You do not need to make an, uh, uh, a, an enemy out of Russia. Russia should be treated the way we won the Cold it gets, War. It gets complicated. Let me ask you a question. Now, Robert F. Kennedy right there took the entire crowd, the entire audience, and Sean Hannity. Yeah, to... so anyway, you, you heard that there. That's pretty amazing stuff right there. That, to me, it's NATO aggression that's causing Russia's anxiety uh, and causing this, this conflict. Um, it would be no different than if uh, China were to take over Mexico, and uh, we would feel threatened by them. Um, all right, one quick thing. Here, this uh, is Doug McGregor. It says, it's time to tell the illegals in this country you have 90 days to get out. Let's take a listen. I think it was uh, DeSantis. I'll go after Mexico. I'll go after, I'll do this. Well, listen, yeah. first of all, let's close the border. Yeah, right. Secondly, right. let's end the criminality to the best of our ability, and let's tell all of the illegals in this country, you got 90 days to get out. Yeah, yeah. And if you leave on your own, take your things with you, register on the way out. Mm-hmm. We'll consider you for readmission in the future. But right now, you've got to leave. Right. And that makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So there was this political rhino uh, globalist um, analyst, Jeff Duncan on CNN. He's the so-called Republican over there. He'll listen to what he has to say here. Um they want to dictate the terms of who we nominate as our nominee. And he's trying to make the argument that anybody, uh, Trump can't win. Well, that's total BS. Is in the, the race yet? I hope so. Uh, there's certainly some that have, you know, Chris Christie's doing, doing his part in taking it right to Donald Trump. And, and Heard and others are, are really trying Heard to be got articulate. Booed off but the stage we need somebody that's got the whole package, and hopefully one of those are able to step up. But look, they should all be unanimous in, in rebuking anything Donald Trump has to do and say uh, he's hijacked our Republican Party. And, you know, th- this, is, this may be funny to say, but I was making this analogy last night. You know, nominating Donald Trump for the Republican Party is a lot like peeing in your pants, right? It's going to feel good for a couple of seconds. But then you wake up and you realize the realities of what you just did. We're going to get beat in the general because we picked the wrong candidate. We couldn't get out of our own way. Well, see, and that's just total. That That is a lie. OK, the reason <laughs> the Democrats are most fearful of Trump and they have to break the algorithm to beat Trump with their election fraud and election cheating. They just they want a uniparty because if it's DeSantis or Biden, the globalists don't care which one wins there, so they don't have to work so hard in rigging the election because the outcome is going to be basically the same. We're going to stay in the Paris Agreement, stay in TPP, and make all the global cor- corporate global partners happy. But Trump, he disrupts all of that stuff. Well, hey, uh, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out MAGAPAC.org, MAGAPAC.org, to find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Also use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And we'll see you or next time on the video. Bye-bye, everybody. Grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.